Networking is so 1990s. I'm fairly sure in few other parts of your life, you're doing the same thing the same way as you did 20 years ago. Particularly in B2B, most people are completely turned off by the cheesy cliche one-liners at cocktail receptions or any other intelligent event. It's time to elevate how you engage, influence, shape hearts and minds to leave them wanting more. Unfortunately, the current COVID-19, coronavirus, and social distancing aren't conducive to -to face-to-face interpersonal relationships. So how can you grow your relationships and thrive, if not survive, in the current business climate? In short, how do you build mutually beneficial relationships to keep moving business ideas forward? If you've exhausted countless hours of your valuable and irreplaceable time networking only to show zero net results, join me on this episode of the Curvebenders podcast focused on relationship-centric growth and COVID-19 in midst of chaos. Hi there, this is David Knorr, host of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm excited to share insights with you at the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. Make no mistake about it, there are a number of forces in the next two decades that will dramatically change the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, and the way we serve others. And I believe there are these relationships that will come into our lives that can change both the direction and destination of where we're headed. Those are the individuals I call curvebenders. So in each episode, I want to share with you insights from our research, from our interviews of great guests and their incredible experiences. I want to invite people to share their ideas and examples of not just coaches and mentors, but real curvebenders that have had a profound impact on their lives. Specifically, we're going to talk about pragmatic ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, and your behaviors. So let's get started. The Curvebenders podcast is supported by global clients of the Nor Group's advisory, speaking, education, and coaching services. One upcoming example is our virtual strategy visualization course offered through the Vanderbilt Owen Graduate School of Management. What was intended to be an in-person session with Vanderbilt on lockdown due to coronavirus has turned into a two-day highly interactive virtual workshop on April 15th and 16th. Our creative director, Lynn Wilson, will join me as we help you understand how to clarify, communicate, and cascade your vision and the path to get there in a simple, easy, and fast process. Simple to understand, easy to internalize, and fast to act upon. From the neuroscience of color to the power and promise of storytelling for engagement and influence, join us for two days of immersive, creative, and experiential learning from the comfort of your own environment. Learn more and register to join us at norgroup.com slash training. Hi, everybody. David Knorr. I want to welcome you back to the Curvebenders podcast. I am uh, excited to share with you uh, some of my own insights, ideas on this episode, uh, hopefully in a timely manner, as uh, we're all facing this incredible uh, virus that is changing in many ways our social norms. So there is, I don't know about you, but in my world, there's no uh, shortage of doom and gloom, emails, updates uh, from my dry cleaner to my strategy firm is sending me emails about how they're prepared to help me. And the whole time I'm thinking, Business has to continue, right? We still have to keep working and finding ways to add value and engage each other in a meaningful way. So how do you drive growth, specifically relationship-centric growth, in midst of chaos? So I recently did an interactive roundtable, and I wanted to share some of the same ideas and perspectives on uh, really how to help leaders and their teams think about uh, getting more proactive during this time and really leveraging this opportunity 
to think differently about what's going on and really what to learn from, how to prepare for, uh, and really not just survive, but really best position yourself to thrive when this storm does pass. And I believe it's serious. As a matter of fact, our family has uh, had a family meeting. We've, the kids are home. I've got teenagers. They're home from school. School is doing remote learning. And we've instituted a, a self-directed lockdown. We're minimizing as a family uh, our physical interactions with others. We're absolutely practicing social distancing. And I believe it's the ethical thing to do because if all of us uh, really cut down on the spread of this virus – you're opening up the much-needed capacity in our health system for those that desperately need it, whether it's that hospital bed or that ventilator or the supplies and medications that I genuinely believe we will need uh, in, the, uh, in the foreseeable future. So in today's episode, I want to cover uh, three quick ideas. One, social distancing versus social isolation. It's really important to understand that in that growth mindset. Number two to really thrive, and again, I'm getting beyond just surviving, to really thrive in this uh, massive chaos, you're going to have to think differently. You're going to have to pivot your unique value proposition. And last but not least, I want to give you some practical ideas uh, to really move your relationships forward. So first and foremost, I'm a big believer of facts, not fear. So you have to take it upon yourself to get educated. Uh, I really like the uh, Johns Hopkins has a coronavirus uh, global case um, uh, website. So if you just search John Hopkins uh, dashboard, that's the way I found it. Uh, it talks about confirmed cases. There's a map. By the way, uh, total recovered numbers is something you don't unfortunately hear a lot of people talk about. Uh, years ago, a CEO of mine gave me a Chinese calligraphy art piece. And interestingly enough, the two brush strokes that write the word crisis, uh, one stands for danger, way, the other opportunity, G. So in crisis, you have to be aware of the danger and make no mistake about it. This is not the, te- the time to blow off this and I'm just baffled by people who are still spring breaking in Florida or the New Orleans, you know, Mardi Gras mentality. This, this is serious. This will, if you look at where Italy is as of this recording, where uh, Spain is as of this recording, uh, many believe they're about 30 days ahead of the U.S. And uh, from direct relationship, I know the fact that they're on, on complete lockdown. And again, shortage of hospital supplies and ventilators. And my intent isn't to add to the doom and gloom. It's you have to be aware of the danger. And the risk of being overcautious pales in comparison to the risk of being so laxed and careless about this uh, that you ignore it. But you also have to recognize opportunities. And the opportunities are people still want to connect want to get creative, and we all desperately as a society want to get back to the, the new norm as quickly as we can. The, the graph and the whole idea of uh, really flatten the curve, if you haven't seen it, it's really about control transmission. And the more we control the spread of a disease, the more you reduce the burden on the healthcare system, capacity specifically. Think of ICUs, think of ER, think of uh, again, supplies and, and medical equipment. So uh, social distancing is no longer, I would submit to you, a luxury. It is absolutely a necessity. And if you haven't looked at the definition, it applies to certain non-pharmaceutical infection control actions taken by public uh, to really stop or at the minimum slow down the spread of it. And it's a very contagious disease. And this virus, the pandemic, not going away. So take the ethical path. And uh, this past week, I converted eight what was previously scheduled to be face-to-face meetings to web meetings. And if you're used to working from home, that's fabulous. You know, I'm not going to harp on this topic. There's some great best practices, a lot of great tips and techniques on there. If you're not used to home working from home, um, a handful of ideas like great tools. Go get an updated webcam. Make sure your internet access is is sufficient. 
uh, and and really creating structure around what you do and how you do it will be critical. And again, there's a lot of experts that can talk more about that. What I do want to uh, caution you against is social distancing also can dramatically amplify what's what's often referred to as the platform paradox. The platform paradox, if you think about the top uh, global tech brands, right? The uh, Googles, the Facebooks, the Amazons, uh, Ubers, Lyfts of the world, their business model is a platform where they bring seekers and solvers, what I call them, together, consumers and producer of that value. It's a very efficient business model. The challenge is it can dramatically uh, also create isolation and it can become the loneliness can become a health problem uh, if you don't, if you let it. There's a great article in The Economist that talks about this. And by the way, ton of data on uh, some great articles on Wall Street Journal and New York Times that there's no playbook for this, right? So it's an incredibly unprecedented time. And this deadly disease is uh, arriving at such an accelerated pace. It's really highlighting how unprepared we are as individuals, as managers, as leaders, as executives. So a number of my client companies have shut down access to visitors. Some badge employees are still going. Several of them, have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, our kids' schools are closed. And I think I, I can't, in all candor, I don't believe much is going to change in two weeks, certainly here in the U.S. So uh, really preparing for a more prolonged uh, change in our behaviors and how we physically interact with people, I believe it's going to become critical. So just a couple of data points or a couple of ideas for you. How do you stop or how do you combat social isolation? Because again, physical social distancing is critical and ethical. What you don't want it to spill over is isolation. So uh, just a couple of ideas for you. Number one, stop watching the news. Yeah, there's a ton of social media garbage that just doesn't add value. Uh, read the credible sources. You know, get educated. It's really important to understand what this is. And I genuinely believe, as human beings, we tend to panic when we face uh, things we don't understand. So the best way I know how to combat that is get educated. That's in essence my my tip number one. Number two, invest in yourself. This is the time to invest in your health. So for example, I've converted several meetings this week to walking meetings. I don't want to go to a coffee shop. I certainly don't want to go to their office. So hey, are you open to meet me at a local park? And, and it's more casual. It's more comfortable. It is difficult logistically to take notes. But what if we went on more... Uh, walking meetings. And this is an idea from Nilofar Merchant, a friend through uh, MG100 and Thinkers50 environment. What if we went for more walking meetings where you're outdoor, you're keeping your distance, but you still get a chance to see the person and interact, right? So invest in your health, invest in tranquility. Tranquility. Uh, sorry, when we're bombarded with all this negativity, it's human nature to just feel like life's getting sucked out of you, right? So figuring out things to uh, invest in your mental health, invest in your peace, uh, it, it would go a long way. And by the way, mathematically proven, get away from a problem with a fresh lens, come back to it, and you have dramatically a better chance of solving it. Number three, elevate your online and di- or digital education. So again, this past week, I attended a couple of webinars, probably like your inbox there's no shortage of invites to webinars, and, and we're doing interactive online sessions. The Marshall Goldsmith community that I'm part of, we're doing a, a global Zoom call 8 a.m. every morning, and it's fantastic because you hear from Antonio, who was a previous guest on this podcast, from Madrid. And uh, Fabricio was today north of Milan, and uh, Amy and several other colleagues and friends, Alex, were in UK, and uh, Alex Osterwalder is in, in near Geneva, Switzerland. So relationships on the ground are reporting what's happening, and not just what's happening from a professional standpoint, but what's happening in their own environment. So Patricio has been isolated for eight days. What does that do to you? And what do you what do you have to do differently? And how do you think about that? So elevating your online and digital education and interactions with others would go a long way. Number four, invest in the tools, knowledge, and new habits. 
So I've committed to updating our blog with content on a daily basis and not just the coronavirus things that I think we're all getting inundated with, but what's in my wheelhouse about co-create on Mondays. I'm posting co-creative of the week. On Tuesdays, we have this, this Curve Vendors podcast. Wednesday, I'm writing new articles. Thursday, we've launched and embarked on a new research uh, project. And Fridays, I'm going to give you a heads up on, on some learning opportunities that are coming up. So uh, create new habits that allow you to learn while we're distant, physically distant from others, right? And, and bonus, become a purveyor of relationships, so beyond your knowledge, beyond your expertise, beyond your uh, technical knowledge, can you connect your most valuable relationships? I'm working on a, an idea that I want to pilot, which is this uh, virtual Friday lunch with friends of NOR. I'm blessed that I know a lot of uh, very different types of people, very different buckets in my life. So I want to get them together. And if we can't meet in person, what if we could come once a month on a Friday and let's have lunch? We have to eat. Let's have lunch together virtually and get a chance to talk through what are you seeing, what's happening. The other thing on a completely personal level that I believe helps is if you have a hobby, if you have things you're passionate about that allows you to disengage from all the doom and gloom, right? Many of you know I ride motorcycles, fantastic opportunity to put the helmet on and decent weather, get out and go on the road. And it's just, it just, sheds all that pressure, all the burden from all of us. So whatever it is that you can do to disengage from the, in many ways, almost like a digital detox will really reinvent, really build a healthy, healthy you. And that's going to be critical to your relationships. So in terms of, uh, you know, thinking and leading differently, what I want you to really think about is if you've ever played soccer, or your kids may play soccer or hockey or lacrosse. These dynamic games, there's a really fascinating uh, attribute to them, which is I would submit 90% of the game is played when you don't have the ball. Let me say that again. In these dynamic games like soccer, lacrosse, uh, hockey, where it's constantly moving, there are no timeouts and you're not stopping and the clock keeps running and – right. So the movement by themselves force you to always be thinking, even if I don't have the ball or the puck, right? Where should I be? What should I be doing? What should I be thinking about? How can I anticipate not only my own team's next move, but the other team's counter move? With that context, I want you to see that, that space, that context as the current market. It is that dynamic. It is that fast moving. It is that... Uh, demanding that you cannot stay still. And by the way, the same old thinking is going to get you the same old results. And and it's amazing what a difference a week can make, right? So uh, in last week's episode, I interviewed uh, Charlene Lee, who's written a fantastic book, The Disruption Mindset. A lot of the great ideas in that book couldn't be more relevant a week later because we've been disrupted, Right, our our many ways, you know. I'm grounded for the next foreseeable future, right? So, uh, when that when disruption happens to you, right, that's the time to really get clever, really get creative, really start to think about where we believe advantage is going to come from, which is the ability to adapt quickly and creatively. So, speed and agility matters more than ever before in you remaining relevant. And one of the questions, if you've ever heard me present, I often talk about how will you continue to compete? Because if you keep doing business as usual, right, what you've always done and is highly transactional, I would submit you're going you're gonna to be irrelevant. If you compete for the moment, well, we've got a new clever offering. Or you know what? It really is more of the same. You're momentary. Only when you keep asking, how, given this environment, how can we compete? How can we compete for mind share? How can we compete for wallet share? How do we pivot our value add, right? That's how you remain relevant. And particularly when face meetings, nobody wants to meet. When face meetings, think about it, when handshakes are being perceived as spreading of this disease and a biohazard, right, to touch surfaces, 
you got to get beyond the intellectual understanding of change to then act on it. So in relationship economics, I wrote a lot about how to be more intentional, more strategic, more quantifiable in the relationships you choose to invest in. I'm in the process of updating the third edition of that book. And, and what I talk a lot about is mapping. I'm also going to build that in the, I'm writing that in the curve benders book of none of us can predict the future. All of us can plan. So if I were to ask you to plan the next two decades of how you'll work, live, play, and give, what would that roadmap potentially look like? Well, by definition, you have to know where you are today. So what's your current state in each of those? How do you work? What do you really enjoy doing? What are you passionate about? What competencies, experiences, skills do you really have? What is the market looking for and how are those demands changing? In terms of how do you play, what gives you joy? What do you enjoy doing? Right? What do you what do you use to disengage and get away and, and what refills your cup? How do you live? Well, what's important to you, right? What do you, again, uh, what are those priorities to you? And then give. How are you serving others? How are you paying for your expertise, your knowledge, your relationships, right? So if you understand the current state and you, you start to create some aspirations towards your future state, the gap really becomes what we work towards. Well, I believe that gap can be accelerated, right? Not just asking great questions, but really identifying great opportunities through your relationships. And in relationship economics, the new edition I'm talking about sustaining, right? Nurturing, requesting, relating, right? Those as enablers of you building deeper, more meaningful relationships. In Co-Create, my most recent book, Never Use... But I talk a lot about capitalizing on your most strategic, most valuable relationships to innovate. Specifically, if you co-create with others, you create things that neither one of you could have done alone. In my experience, unfortunately, a lot of partnerships, a lot of uh, great ideas that companies come together to create in terms of a partnership or alliance or joint ventures or any of those fade because of of this lack of commitment, because lack of seeing a vested interest in something uh, really lasts, particularly in the long term, right? So co-creation is about finding those few really strategic relationships that want to have a vested interest in your success, number one, but really want to see you jointly create something that neither side could have done it on their own, number one. Number two, the combined effort is dramatically better, stronger than anything either one of you could have done alone. So if you haven't heard of me talk about a guy named Matt Ballantyne, is based out of UK. Um, his work, his writing has inspired me to think about really thinking differently in terms of a stair step. So, and you may have heard me talk about this in a previous podcast, iteration is doing the same thing better, right? How do I iterate some of the things I'm doing, product services, how do we new versions, doing the same thing better. You do enough iteration, you're going to stumble into opportunities to innovate. And I believe innovation is doing new things, right? How do we do what we've always done in a new and innovative way, right? You do enough opportunities, you dabble enough at innovation with, again, willingness and ability to fail learn from those failures, fail forward, fail fast, fail cheap. You've heard that before. And you're going to come across opportunities to disrupt. And disruption, I believe, is doing new things that make the old obsolete. New things that doesn't require our previous approach to the workflow, products, services we used, why and how we did what we did, right? So all of that leads to you're thinking differently about your relationships, which leads me to the last part of what I want to share with you, some practical ideas and how to really drive and how to move your relationship forward. If you haven't seen it, uh, on our website, there is a relationship economics quiz and a co-create quiz that I would highly encourage you to check out. I'm going to bring in more front and center uh, and give you a chance to look for those. And and I would they're free. I would encourage you to go to norgroup.com and uh, we'll put a we'll put a link on it under training norgroup.com/training and you'll see uh those quizzes i would encourage you to take them uh because what we've identified is several different dimensions like leveraging relationships innovative disruption dimensions and supportive culture 
And based on your score, there's five unique archetypes. So number one is a start. This is typically somebody who's just coming into the professional work environment. Number two is a spark where they've had a little bit of experience under the belt and they're figuring out where the coffee is. Steady is really that professional who is dependable, great experience, uh, absolutely rock of Gibraltar, will get it done. Four is sturdy. They're starting to anticipate. They're starting to really see uh, changes, challenges, opportunities. They've got to start doing and thinking differently. And the very pinnacle of it is five is star. These are the superstars. These are the people that really not just anticipate but act on it. They they really see the change happening uh, and they move, right? Uh, by the way, we've had over 10,000 people take our quizzes and we've got some great data sets that we've heat mapped and I'm presenting a lot of those in the updated version of both the Relationship Economics and the Co-Create books. So in terms of your own efforts and really to drive growth, I want to talk about uh, 10 relationship impact moments that I think could be really useful front and center. And again, uh, I turned these show notes into articles and I'll post this in our blog uh, with an image with the 10 listed that I think would be really useful to you. Number one is empathy, particularly amidst this time of chaos. You need to be kind. You need to practice empathy. You need to understand where they're coming from. You need to not abandon, but uh, really suspend your own agenda, your own beliefs, things that are of importance to you to engage relationships and really understand where they're coming from. The best way I know how to do that is stop talking and start asking great questions and listen. Listen to what's important to them. Listen to what's a priority to them. Listen to what they care about. Listen to that which they're investing time, effort, resources in, right? In the panic mode, if we subside the panic for a second and really think about what we have to prioritize, empathy is the best way for you to engage others. Two, engagement. This is the time for you to show up. This is the time for you to show up and deliver and pivot your value a little differently. If your value was predicated heavily by you showing up face-to-face, how can you deliver that value now, right? It's your knowledge. It's your expertise. It's your relationships. How can you deliver that virtually? How can you deliver it online, right? So engagement is about showing up. Adaptability, this is critical. This especially in the midst of chaos. People don't really want to hear one-size-fits-all. I have unique needs how can you get creative? How can you get scrappy? How can you get, right, in a place where you can tailor what you're bringing to our needs? So adaptability is all about tailoring. And I would submit in midst of chaos, your success is going to come from even a greater sense of tailoring and adapting to the needs of the relationships you're engaging. Number four, perspective. Change their lens. Our research that I'm launching this week is all focused on crisis resilience. How do people who are succeeding amongst the storm succeeding? What did they do before? What are they doing now? What will they do afterwards? How will they be better off afterwards? So perspective changes people's lenses. Focus on your own world and how can you help people change their lens? Conviction. Bring a point of view. On our Marshall Goldsmith uh, Zoom group call this morning, Marshall talked about, right, the ethical guidelines for this chaos, for coronavirus. What are the ethical guidelines? What? Forget governments for a second, right? They're all trying to play catch up. Forget state, local, federal government. What should you be thinking about as an ethical leader, as an ethical person? What are your own responsibilities in midst of where people are genuinely concerned and they're panicking. So with conviction, you can bring a point of view. Collaboration, make it stronger together, right? This is the time to say, you know what? There's a lot I know, but there's a lot I don't know. So how do I go find others that are doing other interesting things that I can collaborate with? By the way, be open to sharing. Be open to, if you've thought about it, so have 50 other people. So the value right now isn't in the idea. It's how do I execute on that idea? By the way, I'm shameful about borrowing good ideas. So 
uh, one of my colleagues in MG100 is testing an idea. He invites me to it. We have a great conversation. I'm thinking, that is fantastic. I'd like to not adapt. Not, I don't want to copy him. I want to apply that idea into something I'm doing, into something that's relevant to me. So collaboration allows you to make that end result stronger. Seven, selflessness. Lower your self-interest. This is not the time for you to lead with a transaction. This is the opportunity for you to think about transformation. How can you transform yourself? How can you transform your relationships? So you got to lead with a lowered self-interest that demonstrates. You can't just tell people, I'm reducing my, you know, I'm, I'm really elevating my selflessness. You got to demonstrate it. Eight, accountability. This is the time to own it. Now, granted, I think a lot of people, particularly during this time, will be very forgiving. Of They will forgive corporate results. They will forgive, uh, you know, missteps. They will forgive uh, food between your teeth on those video calls, right? So this is the time to learn and grow and fix other parts of your business. I've interviewed Peter Bregman, uh, a good friend, part of the MG100, author of Lead with Emotional Courage. And I love Peter's comment that uh, when I asked him what does emotional courage means, he, he said, if you don't, if you're not willing to feel everything, at some point, you're not going to feel anything. So this is the opportunity to own it, accountability, own it, and really step up and elevate, which leads to the next one, candor, number nine. Say what others won't. Say what others can't. This is the opportunity to say, listen, I'm just not sure that's prudent. Listen, I think that there's creativity that uh, could could be really helpful to us here. Unfortunately, when companies who were flying incredibly high a month ago go through massive decline, everybody just just hammers down. Everybody cuts back. Everybody is thinking cutting. I don't know of any organization that can cut its way to growth. So candor becomes one of those incredibly valuable assets when used with judgment, when used with prudent and appropriate level of right discretion, that candor becomes incredibly valuable. And I'm writing about um, radical candor in the Curve Benders book. Number 10, improvements. So up their game. Elevate the game. Let them know. Let them feel how they're better off because of you in this relationship. So we've been talking about the 10 relationship impact moments. Very quick recap. Number one, empathy. Walk in their shoes. Two, engagement. Show up. Three, adaptability. Tailor it. Four, perspective. Change their lens. Five, conviction. Bring a point of view. Six, collaboration. Make it stronger together. Seven, selflessness. Lower your self-interest. Eight, accountability. Own it. Nine, candor, say what others won't. Ten, improvement of their game. And again, I'll post this in uh, our blog for you to reference. Ten relationship impact moments. So if you've heard me present on relationship economics, I talk about have a under strategic relationship planning, aligning your relationship development efforts to outcomes. This is the time to get very succinct and perhaps pivot your goals. So you've heard me say this, relationships are not a standalone concept. Nobody builds relationships because they're bored. We're after an outcome. We're after some sort of a result. Pivotal contacts are the relationships you need. Who are they? Where are they? How can they make one phone call, send one email, make one introduction, and accelerate your ability to get things done? Your current relationship bank are existing relationships that you know, you know a lot more people than you think you do. This is the time to pick up the phone and call them. And I would submit your phone skills, your communication skills are going to become more valuable than ever before. Because when you engage your relationships, ideally you're understanding what is it that they need? What are they struggling with? What are their challenges? And point blank ask, how can I help? Which leads us to the relationship currency deposit, which is an investment you can make in your most valuable relationships to gain access to or an opportunity with others who can accelerate your ability to get things done. When you do that in a systematic discipline process, we call that strategic relationship planning. And it's all about discipline. In midst of chaos, you're going to have to change 
your value creation narrative, your story. The way I know how to do that, the way I've been thinking about how to do that is really three words, elevate, invest, diversify. Let's take them one at a time. Elevate your personal brand. You know that companies have a brand, right? The, the, the checkmark athletic clothing that we overpay for or the $10 cup of coffee, right? Companies spend millions of dollars packaging, marketing, selling, defending, positioning their brand. You also have a brand beyond your company, beyond your team. We all have a personal brand. In midst of chaos, you want to reinforce that brand equity. You want to reinforce that brand value. Again, less about you, more about how are others better off because of you. Number two, identify your ABC list of most relevant or critical relationships and invest in them. Invest time. Pick up the phone and call them. You heard my comment. We're going we're gonna to launch. We're testing this idea of Friday virtual lunches with Noor, with friends of Noor. So I'm going to get a lot of different friends on a web meeting to ask. I'm going to ask questions, have them introduce themselves, and really build, be a purveyor of relationships. Those are relationships I want to invest in. That's an example of prioritizing the relationships you choose to invest in. So we're talking about really how to change your value creation story or narrative. Elevate your personal brand was number one. Number two is identify your most critical, your most relevant, your most valuable. I call it your ABC. No more than 15 to 30 really valuable relationships, customers, prospects, internal. So think of your ecosystem and who are those most valuable relationships that you can invest in and invest in them. And number three is diversify. Diversify your relationship ecosystem. One of the challenges I keep running into are people who keep hanging out with the exact same people they've always known. In the same company, in the same industry, in the same neighborhood, in the same, same, same. Chaos is a fantastic opportunity to look across your neighborhood and your company and your industry and your geography for Interesting ideas and perspectives and who's talking about something else that you've already heard of. Who else is touching up on, right, some really unique ideas or perspectives on how to do that. So I I mentioned to you Elevate Your Personal Brand. Uh, A really good study is a company called Inner Brand. They just published their best global brands in 2019. And uh, when you look into their research, when they identify I think the 100 most valuable brands in the world, um, there, are, there are four internal factors and there's uh, six external factors that I think will be very relevant to your personal brand as well, right? So number one is clarity. So what do you want the brand to stand for, right? If two people were talking about you and you weren't there, what would you want them to say? So John is known for blank. Susan is fantastic at blank, that clarity in which you articulate, you communicate, your uh, audience, right? You can't date everybody. So who do you want to become most valuable to? Uh, what, what insights? Do you bring information, which I can get a whole lot of other places, or do you bring insights? And what are the drivers of your brand, right? So really committing to understanding and being clear about your brand attributes goes a long way. Number two is commitment. So a commitment to the brand is you believing that it's important, you acting on that it's important. The fact that I'm updating our blog with content on a daily basis is because I genuinely believe I'm in the ideas business. So you got to make a commitment. Does it take time? You better believe it. Does it take effort and resources? Absolutely. But if it's important, right, it's worth the investment, right? Three was governance. So the degree in which you really think about your skills. You really think about your operating model. You really think about how effective and efficient you are in really telling and really delivering, really executing your brand game plan, your strategy is going to be critical. So this is about setting the right, um, I believe, metrics and milestones and making time to think about, am I doing the things 
that I want my brand to stand for. In midst of chaos, people are looking for that clarity. They're looking for the commitment. They're looking for who's got their act together on a consistent basis. Four is responsiveness. So your ability to evolve and to respond, to anticipate, to changes, Lord, that are all around us, to challenges and opportunities is absolutely going to set you apart in midst of chaos. So really think about, again, we're talking about factors that can really help you build your brand. So these internal ones, clarity, your commitment, governance, what's your game plan, and the responsiveness. Externally, the factors include authenticity. What people see have to be what they hear, what they uh, watch, what, right? The authentic you is critical. So what are your values? What do you believe in? Again, I I love Marshall's comment this morning that he's going to start writing on an ethical guideline because you know what? Not a whole lot of people out there are talking about it, right? So what expectations should your relationship have of you? Relevance. Right. So how relevant are you to the needs, to the desires, to the wants, to the decisions of those relationships that you want to engage? I want to reiterate, you cannot be everything to everybody. So how relevant will you be to the relationships that are most um, critical, most important to you? Differentiation. One of the challenges with a lot of our products and services is they're, they're, they look a lot alike. Right, I can get that same product or service a whole lot of different places. So the degree in which you commit to differentiating yourself, differentiating the perception of your value add. I was a guest on a podcast today, and I talked about how do your relationships perceive that which you do exceptionally well. That part is critical. So that differentiation also includes your brand experience. How's the experience of people when they deal with you? Right? Do you talk about trust, but kind of try to pull the fast one on them behind their backs? Because that's not only is it not you know consistent and authentic, and a lot of the other things we've talked about, but how are you setting yourself apart? So differentiation is critical. Uh, number eight is consistency. So the brand experience through those touch points has got to be very consistent. So I'm hoping you're getting value from our roundtable and from the blog and from our training and this podcast and all the different things that I do. I want to make sure there's consistency in the experience that I create for the clients. Is it perfect all the time? No. No, I don't think anybody is. But the point is, are you really working on it? Uh, Nine is presence. So the degree degree in which you're present, right? Uh, Hollywood has a saying, never disappear. It's the same thing with our personal brands. You've got to be present. You've got to be in the minds and hearts of uh, both in the traditional sense. So I write, I, I blog, I social media, right? You've got to be present. I, but I still also send out snail mail. That's right. Articles, printed articles with a business card in the regular mail because they can always delete the email and they may not even get it because it got caught by spam filter. But most people, when they get an envelope in the mail, they'll open it and they'll at least glance at it, look at it, read it. And if it's a value, they consume it and then they discard it or they pass it around. So you got to be present and you got to be present consistently. Last but not least, I also brought it up in the uh, uh, 10 relationship impact moments, which is engagement, right? The degree in which you have to show a deep understanding, right? You've got to participate. You've got to create a strong sense of identity with your brand. Right, so those are just ten attributes that I think would be really good for you to think about and uh, and work on your brand in terms of investing. So we're talking about how to change the value creation narrative. I said elevate your brand, invest in your most valuable relationships, and really diversify your ecosystem. In terms of investing in your most valuable relationships, I already said make a list of your ABC most relevant relationships. You want to reach out to them by phone. Especially in this is this midst of this chaos, if we can't go see people, um, some of you know I was on the road 208 days last year. I'm grounded, right? Nobody's flying, unfortunately, and 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 I'm proud that Delta Airlines, our local airline, Atlanta is one of my clients, and they're phenomenal people. And and this too will pass. But if we're not flying, this is a really good opportunity to reach out by phone or web meeting and simply ask, how can I help? How you feeling? How you doing? How can I help? You can suggest a credible resource or relationship, which should ideally reinforce 
kind of your unique expertise, right? This is part of that really elevating your brand is what resource, what relationships can others benefit from. You want to understand through great questions, their toughest problems, their challenges, their agendas, right? Be in the moment and, and really become an asset in the moment. I've always liked evoking curiosity. So I said earlier, one of the 10 relationship impact moments is really you know conviction, bring a point of view. So when you bring a unique point of view, you help them think through those ideas. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I still see way too many people who try to make it perfect. And you know what? You've missed the opportunity. I was on a call earlier today. Well, and, and I get it. They're in a you know financial services industry. And I, I simply asked for a spreadsheet that they had they were showing online because I was really curious about it. Well, we're gonna have to email compliance and get that back to you. And that's great, but how long is that gonna take? In midst of chaos, in midst of all this uncertainty that's around us, that speed and agility matters more than ever before. Become a relationship bank. I love connecting people. I've always loved getting to know them, understand what is it that they need, and connect the dots. Hey, John, let me introduce you to Steve. Or Sandy, let me introduce you to Hector, right? Great group of people all trying to solve very similar challenges. So this idea of a Friday virtual lunch with friends of NOR, uh, again, is a chance to connect some of my most valuable relationships so they can learn and grow from and through each other. You got to maintain regular contact, but you got to do it with value add. Pestering the the crap out of people about, hey, can I do anything for you today? Okay, no, no. How about tomorrow? Can I do anything for you tomorrow? That That doesn't really help you versus the value add. I read this. I saw this. Here's somebody that I think uh, could be of interest, could be of value. Share best practices. Share best practitioners, right? Who's doing some really interesting things that could be of value to somebody else? Get scrappy. I love, I've always loved uh, the term scrappy. More recently, Angela Duckworth, which I have an enormous amount of respect for, you know, wrote the book called Grit, which she defines as perseverance plus passion. Instead of, you know, right now, a lot of people are canceling or postponing meetings and events. Can we do them virtually? Or instead of canceling, can we postpone them, right? Get out of the calendar, put it on, you know, on the calendar for three months from now, six months from now. But that's the idea of, of get creative, which is get scrappy. I've always believed no or can't or won't is just intellectually lazy, right? That's, it's easy. Anybody can say that. How can we get there? How can we get to that desired outcome is really what's valuable. Reinforce trust. When there's a lot of uncertainty, people are looking for you to demonstrate it in every interaction. I recently wrote a blog post um, on 10 behaviors. It was the co-creative of the week this past Monday on 10 behaviors that reinforce trust. And I think it'd be really useful to go check out. In terms of uh, really diversifying your relationship ecosystem, as I said earlier, reach out to net new relationships beyond your own company, beyond your own industry, beyond your own neighborhood, right? Uh, Cross-pollinate your relationships based on relevance. Um, You got to bring structural relevance. So executives want to interact with other executives, salespeople relate best to other salespeople, project managers, right? And project management professionals can share war stories about how they were able to overcome certain challenges. So cross-pollinate your relationships based on relevance. You heard me say earlier, borrow, share, hopefully legally, steal good ideas across industries. Figure out who's been successful. And again, we're launching a research project this Thursday on identifying crisis resilience. Uh, but look for across different industries, who's, who's doing well. Get involved. Volunteer, step up for something interesting, interesting initiative, interest project. By the way, in midst of this storm, I'm volunteering for two industry. One is an industry. The other one is a, a city of Atlanta, potential innovation projects, right? And I, and I didn't get involved because of the economic model. As a matter of fact, I think with both of them, we don't even know what the economic model could be. It's because I know other cool, interesting, intelligent, engaging people are going to be involved. This is the time where we all have excess capacity to get involved, to really volunteer, to step up and really get involved with interesting initiatives, projects. Uh, Last but not least, look for opportunities to pilot. 
test, pilot, prototype, experiment. So uh, one of the sections I'm writing in the, in the, in the Curve Bender's book is about creating a culture of experimentation, right? So speed and agility matters. How can we quickly using, uh, I've got my teenage son right now working on a Google form for me. Why? I've never done it, right? And it's probably easier for him to quickly throw it and I'll pay him for it, but quickly. How can we quickly put something together this afternoon, not three weeks from now? So pilots and prototypes are all about speed and agility. And right now, I'm talking to a lot of clients about uh, business model pilots, business model innovation, not just product and service innovation. Uh, I want to wrap up with a quote from Alvin Toffler, which I also have in my keynotes if you've heard me speak. The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. In midst of the current chaos, there's enormous opportunity for you to, to learn, unlearn, and relearn. That's how we all grow. That's how we all so not just survive, but thrive. Your relationship growth in midst of chaos is going to come from your ability to think and lead very differently. If you've listened to the Curve Benders podcast recently, you've heard that I'm working on the Curve Benders book. This will be my book number 11 with tools, insights, case studies, examples, interviews, in essence, the knowledge you need to create a personal and professional growth roadmap in this idea of future of work. I'm excited to share key sections with the first 100 participants, so go reserve your spot at norgroup.com today. If you go all the way to the bottom of the page in the get in touch section, just capture somewhere Curve Bender Insights. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Curve Benders podcast on relationship growth in midst of chaos and how to get creative and scrappy and continue to move your strategic relationships forward. As we discussed in this episode, black swan events like the current COVID-19 coronavirus will come and go. What's critical is that we don't become complacent and find really consistent reasons to stress test our infrastructure, preparedness, contingency, and continuity planning. Your relationships need nurturing, trust, and value add more than ever. Use this perceived storm to double down on those investments. Be vigilant, be overcautious, and really become, really practice the social distancing we talked about in this session. Don't forget, I turned the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles. So check them out on our website at norgroup.com slash blog. I'm so thankful for our listeners on the Curve Benders podcast. I want to keep producing great content most beneficial to your personal and professional growth in this idea of future of work. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on the various social media channels. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. And I'm using the hashtag Curve Benders podcast. So make sure you follow that for all of our latest updates. 